Well, hey there, this is Johnny Summers. I'm not in Chico, I'm in Hawaii. So, for our episode this week, we're re-releasing episode 182 from July 2020, with a little tidbit about the movie and Wayfinder and Short Throw Brewing Companies. Beer number one was a cold IPA called Relapse, and I gave it an 8.5. Beer number two is called Mutual Respect, and it was an Imperial IPA, and Max gave it a 9.5. Anyways, I'll be back next week. Don't miss me too much. Enjoy the episode. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast out of Chico, California. That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> if, you, uh, if, you, if you've never joined us before, we do this every single week. We cover two beers and one new movie, and sometimes more of each if we get a little saucy throughout the show. That's what happens. But if you don't already follow us on social media and don't know how to get a hold of us and you want to, Johnny will tell you how. Right, Johnny. Yeah, at Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd. Wait, no. Instagram, Twitter, and there's one more, right? Facebook? But yeah. Maybe. No, Facebook's Fresh Hop Cinema Pod. You are correct. Yeah. But then, yeah, just Google Fresh Hop Cinema or look it up in whatever thing you're using. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Letterboxd. Me and Max both have our own Letterboxd. You can look us up by name. And we're fairly active, and I'm trying to be active on Untapped. I've been pretty good the last couple of weeks, so uh, if you want to follow along with the beers we drink and check them out, check us out there too. Untapped at Fresh Hop Cinema, FreshHopCinema.com for all things us, old movie reviews, beer reviews, all kinds of stuff like that, and then Patreon.com/FreshHopCinema. That's how we fund this baby. That's how we keep the beer wheels from falling off. It keeps us in the booze. And in the entertainment business, and we like doing that. (laughs) So uh, for as little as $1 a week, uh, up to $1 million a week, you can help support us and make this happen. Uh, You're bored at home. You're working from home. You can pop headphones in and listen to us, and then you're not alone. So basically, our podcast is the cure for your depression. So give us money. Yeah, that's... that's the elevator pitch for Patreon. <laughs> Great. The very the very last way is if you want to send us an email, like our friend Nick Land did this week, which I want to touch on in a moment, you can send that email to fhccast at gmail.com. And our friend of the show and patron, Nick, reached out to us. He was catching up on, I can't remember. Do you remember what episode it was, Johnny? Um, Let me double check. Yeah, it's whenever we recorded our review of uh, Ninkasi's Megalodom, which is a big oh, triple yeah. IPA that neither of us liked. And he was saying that he was listening back and wanted us to start rating beers um basically like if it's if it reaches this this low of a bar wouldn't you rather just drink a four loco and i think that is sort of the new the new like standard for terrible alcohol i love that yeah it's at a certain point we called it the four locometer i think oh nice yeah yeah something like that yeah yeah this beer is just so bad i would rather drink a four loco instead yeah and And that Go ahead. It has to be a uniquely terrible experience. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because I mean, and if you haven't, if you don't know the reference to that, it's, it hasn't happened in a while. But when one of us doesn't see a movie or see the movie of the week, uh, we have to pay our penance by drinking a Four Loco within the span of the full episode, and which is something we've never taken lightly. It's a, it's not a great experience, as you might imagine. No, it's it's very serious business. <laughs> it's rough, <laughs> but honor, duty, those things make us do it. Yeah. 
So thanks for your input, Nick. We always appreciate yep. you. I uh, really like getting emails from our listeners. It's fun. We've gotten some fun feedback about what people are watching and what people are drinking lately. Yeah. Uh, so keep them coming. We love the emails, and if it's uh, worthy, let's say, we'll use it on the show or we'll Fair. talk about it. It's it's fun times. So we love every single one we get. So keep them coming. That being said, that's enough advertisement of ourselves. I am parched. I am thirsty. It is hot. I really need a beer. Okay, so what do we? This is another one you picked out. You picked up both of our beers this week from a local spot here in Chico called SNS Produce, and they are at least this first one. No, and the second one. They're both very interesting cans. They seem like ones that would probably even have jumped out to me had I seen them, but these are definitely more, I think, Team Johnny label wise. Mm-hmm. And yep. what is? Yeah, what's our first one? Uh, so we are going to be doing Relapse uh, beer from Wayfinder Brewing. They are in the northeast, west, west, northwest of Portland. <laughs> I was sure. say the northeast corner of the United States. Yeah. So yeah, relapse <laughs> yeah. IPA. Yeah. How much? Uh, how much do you know about this? Did you just pick it up based on the label? Have you seen it around before? Anything I like have actually enjoyed this beer before. Nice. Yeah, I bought one a while back, and I was just needed a couple things to drink because I needed. I like to buy hops fairly fresh. Like mm. I hoard stouts. I have two fridges, three fridges, four fridges, whatever. Do you have four fridges? One, two, three. I got rid of the fourth. It's at your house That's now. That's true. So now I have three fridges. Actually, yeah, I have a mini fridge and then two big ones because of the one you gave me. Yeah. So I've got huh. three refrigerators and two of them are full and one of them has a lot of it in it. Yeah. Um, but I try and buy hops pretty regularly, like IPAs, lagers, pilsners, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Just as I need to drink it, I try not to keep a ton of it around. So I really like the singles doors, like at Spikes, um, yeah. SNS, like any good liquor store that has like a singles door beer that they keep fresh. I'll pop in and grab a couple. And I knew I was having um, Keith Beck was coming over to drop off beers from Modern Times, and I wanted to have something we could socially distance share. Yeah. So I picked up this and a few other things, and he was bringing. Uh, I can't remember what brewery it was, but they did one beer, a single hop IPA, and they did the same exact recipe, but with three different hops. Mm. It was really trippy to try out. Yeah. Um, so we had like a little bit of an IPA share. So long story long, <laughs> I picked this up for that evening and I am familiar with it. So I wanted to do it again because I really like it. Yeah, it's super good. I don't think we said this, but it's 7%. So it's right in that sweet spot, in my opinion, of IPAs that are not too light, but are also aren't going to maybe knock you down flavor-wise or alcohol-wise. Um, mm-hmm. That said, it's definitely got some alcohol presence. It's super hoppy. This one yeah. that, that I'm drinking, and I assume it's the same for yours, was canned on May 22nd. So we're looking at about two months, but I don't mm-hmm. think that's really showing. This this feels very fresh to me. It feels light and drinkable and, and hoppy, and I'm I'm here for it so far. Yep, me too. On the can, it says clean, clear, hoppy AF, brewed with brewed cold for maximum drinkability. Sure. Just like a Curry's Light. Yeah, kind of, well, sort of. Yeah. Uh, you want to describe the label for me? I feel like it's interesting enough and weird enough that it might warrant sort of a description. Yeah. So it reminds me of like um, maybe like a 1970s heavy metal poster meets yeah. like a Conan the Barbarian promo artwork. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it says relapse in really cool, like gothic font at the top. And we've got a sword coming down, like coming right between a set of eyes with laser sunlight beams coming out of the eyes, shining down onto a, a winding serpent in front of a weird 
multifaceted globe type thing with like a whole sunburst all around it. Yeah. It's really cool. It's like really trippy, like psychedelic. It looks like a stoner rock album cover. What a great it looks like that's lovely. It looks like thank you. Yeah, it looks like a vinyl album cover that I would own and be playing before. It we absolutely recorded. does. Yeah, yeah. I was I was looking it up on Untapped here just to see if there was a, a more thorough description, and there's not really. It kind of just seems like they've combined different elements of Wayfinder's beers, but maybe this is the description. It's just not on the can, but it says plenty brutal IPA with bucket loads of new and old school hops, Wester than West Coast. It also Whoa. it's also listed as 55 IBUs, which seems low. It definitely seem. seems like there's a lot more here because this is a very in-your-face hoppy beer. Yeah. But it what a, it's is. a great this is a great summer IPA. I'm very stoked that you got this. I'm, I'm I'm more excited for this than I thought I would be. Partially because the nice. label scared me. But <laughs> don't know. be scared. <laughs> I'm not anymore. Now I'm very happy. I'm just gonna point out that you really enjoyed that electric wizard album that I left with you. Yes. I remember coming over to your house several times yeah. and Dope Smoker was playing. Yeah, I I may have timed that. So. May have timed yeah. it just, you know. But yeah. I, I it's not like if you hadn't given me that album to listen to, I don't think I would have ever put it on kind of thing. Yeah. It's what do you call it? Is it is it sludge metal? That's uh that's really like stoner. That's doom. That's doom, doom metal. metal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Weird, you know, weird experience for me, a little different, but pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> like the spear. Weird yeah. but fun. Yeah, except this one is a little bit more like, oh, okay. Now I could I could drink this every day, and I think yeah. if I listened to uh, Electric Wizard, I would it would change it would change me. I think deep it down, would. which is you would grow. Fun. Yeah, maybe you'd grow out your hair and your beard and little horns, probably. Yeah, next thing I know, you're just you've switched to playing acoustic bass. Yeah, detuned, <laughs> just like yeah, ah, that'd be hilarious. Um, any uh, anything jumping out to you in a bad way with this beer? Um, you know it's it's. A little like the hot presence, it has that mouthfeel at the end where it's just kind of got that extra tang. But I, mm-hmm. I love that. I mm-hmm. can see how people might not enjoy that, but I really like it. I love this beer front to back. This is mm. this is gonna rank pretty high for me. I mean, it was good enough for me to want to buy it again and do it for the show. That's true. I think it's really good as well. There is something on the back end. I don't think it's what you're describing. There's something else that is almost like an off flavor to me. And mm. I, I don't know if that's a product of, of the brewing or anything, but it, there's, I, I guess off flavor is not the right term then. It's just, just a flavor that I don't particularly love. Mm. And it does not seem like it's the hops. It might be something in the malt bill that I don't love. But overall, this is a, a very good beer in my book. Yeah, I like it a lot. This is one where I need to keep these guys on my radar for like next time I'm in Portland. I'd like to go check them out. They do some other interesting stuff too. They've got... Mm. Just checking out their website. They've got uh, a, a logger just called Hell, which sure. makes me really happy. Uh, number six logger. They got some. What is a decocted pilsner? Spell it. D e c o c t e d. It'd be like the maybe the opposite of concocted. Maybe like deconstructed. Yeah, maybe. But why not just say that then? Yeah, I don't know. But they've got really cool cans. They've got cool artwork. It's one of those breweries where I really enjoy their aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, which is is nice. A lot of times I don't. Like, I'll like one or the other. Yeah. There's very few breweries that really line up. Like, True Brewing, Surly, Toppling Goliath, uh, Ghost yeah. Town. Yeah, yeah, Those are all brew- – and then Nightmare Brewing. I'm absolutely in love with their aesthetic and mm-hmm. their – do you remember that sour that we did from them with the really scary can? Um, I keep thinking of Oshuary from, from, uh, ghost town. 
Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I think we did it on the show, or I at least shared it with you or showed you or something, but it, they, all their cans have, like, uh, different elements of uh, torture. Oh, geez. Yeah, and they're, like, really graphic art, like, just splattery. Like Oh, free, like, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, because it was positive. really... It was good. It was like world class. Uh, I remember we both rated it really high. It was like uh, I want to say a Barry uh, Berliner Weiss or something like that. Was it? Was it like a, a on the can? Was it a picture of a, like a severed head? Yeah, like a woman screaming or something. Yeah, it was like a f- severed head flying through the air. <laughs> I literally don't remember what that beer tasted like, but I remember that logo or label. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it sticks with you. <laughs> All that to say, do you think this one will stick with you past today? Yeah, I like this beer. If this was something I saw on a shelf again, I would 100% grab it either in like a four-pack or singles as something just absolutely drinkable. This is a great IPA to have around, especially as fresh as it is. Yep. Uh, and as regionally, you know, local. I like beer from this part of the world. Yes. And I'm real partial to West Coast big hops, clear, piney, resinous stuff. So, yeah, this is a huge thumbs up for me. Okay, then Johnny Summers, Relapse IPA from Wayfinder out of Portland. Out of ten, out of ten. This is like uh, this is like uh, oh god, it's like an eight five. Okay, eight point five. I was gonna guess nine point two from you, but yeah, very respectable rating, eight point five for me. It's a flat eight. It's super good, uh, but there's so many great beers right now that it's hard for me to get in into anything above above an eight, and I usually jump straight to nines. So great, respectable ratings from both of us. I'm very jazzed. Thanks again for picking this out. Yeah, totally. My pleasure. Again, that's relapse IPA from Wayfinder. So go check it out. If you guys drink it, let us know what you think. Write us an email, uh, get on untapped and message us, Instagram, whatever. Just let us know what you think of this beer. Yeah. So then moving right along into flick picks, this is the part of the show. If you haven't heard us before where one of us or both of us sometimes have crammed in extra movies that aren't our featured movie of the week that we want to talk about. Now it so happens that this week we're covering a movie or I'm covering a movie that we've both decided we just want to cover on the show next week. And that's a film called Relic. And it came to streaming on, uh, I think, well, early July, the first weekend in July. And it's a horror film directed by Natalie Erica James, uh, starring Emily Mortimer, Robin Nevin, Bella Heathcote, who I have never seen before, but she was, they're all great in this. And it's basically a horror film about the mother and daughter have to go back to the grandmother's house when nobody has seen her for many days and they find her missing and then a couple of days later, she shows back up acting very strange and very paranoid. It's sort of a haunting ghost story type movie. And I finished it the other night and I, Johnny seemed interested. I also upsold it because I really enjoyed it. All that to say, normally during flick picks, I would give a thorough telling of my thoughts and maybe rate it and maybe spoil some stuff, but we're not going to because I think it's very much worthwhile. So if you get a chance to watch it, it's rentable for like six or seven bucks. I would highly recommend watching Relic wherever you want to rent it and then come back next week and listen to us talk about it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited anytime like a horror suspense movie gets into the show. It's I would do those way more if it was up to me. So yeah, I love getting thrown a horror bone. So I am super stoked on Relic. I will be watching that. Shit, I might watch it tonight, man. Who knows? Dude, do it. Yeah, it's, horror is one of those genres that particularly one of those genres that after starting this podcast years ago, I had always identified as somebody who does not like horror, but it turns Mm -hmm. out I just uh, didn't watch the right kind of horror movies. And this one is very much in line with sort of um, 
psychologically thrilling, didactic, a uh, lot of metaphors and things you can learn about yourself and humanity and that kind of stuff. And that those types of movies really resonate with me, horror or not, but especially right. when horror brings that around. I love it. Nice. Like Hell Hereditary. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I was just going to say, is it like Hereditary? Like y- that? You know, I watched another horror movie, which I'll talk about later, but it was the one that um, you posted on our Instagram today, which was The Lodge. Which has been compared a lot to Hereditary because there's use of like miniature figures and a house. Um, but outside of that, I think there's definitely some hereditary elements to Relic for sure. Okay, nice. I cannot wait to cover that next week. Yeah. I like it. Your flick pick's a sneak peek. Yeah, can I? So like I was very scared throughout this movie. Okay. And at the end, unrelated. No one is surprised. I was crying. Probably also nobody was surprised. <laughs> Nobody is still surprised. Yeah, but it was it was just one okay. of those movies that caught me off guard in so many ways, and it's part of why I think it's going to be in in my top ten. It's, I don't know. It's not that early in the year anymore. So yeah, maybe maybe my top ten of twenty twenty. Yeah, we're over halfway through the year. Dude. I know. I keep wanting to be like, oh yeah, it's only March. Oh wait, it's only April. Nope. Okay, it's the end of July. It's almost August. Yeah. It's so, basically Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about your your movie watch this this week uh, now or at, in Hot and Bothered? Uh, I've got other stuff to talk about in Hot and Bothered, so okay. I'm just talking about it now because I'm late to the party. I watched Venom this last weekend with with Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams. You might have seen it. I, I definitely have seen it. Yeah, you watched it. You, I remember you talked rather disparagingly about it at the time. Yeah. Um. So I got to say, I watched it, and I really liked it. Okay. Why? It was kind of a terrible movie, but Venom's <laughs> always been like my favorite character mm-hmm. um in like f- probably my favorite villain in the spider-man universe oh really so, yeah huh. i was really excited when he was going to be in one of the movies and he was portrayed by toby mcguire um, correct well venom no no, no i mean no, toby no, yeah. mcguire was spider-man what was his name what was his name the guy from that 70s show that played venom i always want to say i want to say eddie rock but that's his character's name i can't think yeah. of that dude's name right now i'll think of it in a second yeah, but anyways, it. yeah, and he was like one of three villains in that particular Spider-Man movie, and it really bummed me out. Yep. So I love Tom Hardy, and this was just a really like a good silly goose time that was just like the CGI action popcorn movie that you want to watch. So I dug it, and I think it fits pretty well into the Marvel Universe, and I think it would be really interesting if they brought like Tom Hardy's Venom into the universe of like a Tom Holland Spider-Man? I I wouldn't although I think this this the Venom movie cuz it came out in 2018 and if I remember correctly, I think it's owned by by Fox. Or no, oh, I think really? maybe it's Sony. It's one of those two. Mm. And and that's going to be a problem with the Disney Marvel thing cuz I don't think they're going to let Venom go. Either way, I can't imagine Disney letting Tom Holland go. So I yeah, I that would be a fun crossover, I agree, but it I'm I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, but anyways, I get it. Well, it had shortcomings. It wasn't the most bulletproof movie, but it was really fun, and I really liked it. It was a great like Sunday afternoon. Just got back from camping, uh, movie. So, yeah. All right, fair enough. I I don't remember when we talked. I mean, I I saw it in theaters, so it must have been back in 2018 that that I talked about it on the show. But yeah, it was. I don't know. It was, yeah, it's what you're describing. I think that I just saw it in a different headspace and p- paid money to go to a theater to see it, and I just kind of let down. But ah, where did you watch it? Stars on demand stars. at home. Does anybody have stars besides you? I don't think in the so. World? <laughs> I think <laughs> I might be the only guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
But yeah, okay, so you'd, you'd say watch it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I got it to watch. I got stars to watch American Gods, and now I'm like, I need to watch other stuff on here to make this worth it. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I just started a a series called P Town about strippers, which is pretty cool. What's the P stand for? Pussy. Oh, that yeah, fair enough. I guess I was gonna say porn for some reason. I knew it was something. Weird. Something. Uh, I don't know. Indicative yeah. of strippers, maybe something. But it's actually it's a pretty good series. So not that all strippers do porn. I feel like I can't. I'm trying yeah, to like tie this together. And I'm like, there's no way. None of that's you're, related. You're really pigeonholing sex yeah. workers, bro. Yeah, like that's real so bad. Not. That's I know. Kind of not cool. That's not what I want to be doing. Easy there, guys. Well, I didn't mean to do it. Yeah, but it's actually yeah, it's a it's a pretty decent show. They're kind of going deep into like uh, it's more of a drama about the lives of these people and stuff. So it's gotcha. pretty interesting. Nice. Well, yeah. in the interest of talking about a movie that we've both seen recently, do you want to jump to a break and then come back and talk about Palm Springs? My body is ready. All right. We're not going to spoil it. It's a new film out on uh, on Hulu. So if you haven't seen it, don't worry. And we'll be right back. Folks, if you didn't know, here at Fresh Hop Cinema, we are big fans of local eatery and drinkery here in Chico, The Handlebar. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street. And despite the fact that we can't eat indoors right now, they have a lovely patio they also offer food and drink to go, so if you haven't had a chance to check them out, or if you're just going back for seconds or thirds or thousandths, as Johnny and I often do, go check them out. It's a great place to grab food, great place to grab a drink. Handlebar Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Here you are. Standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You, what is going on? Hey, get out of the water, girl! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time, I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm going to get out of this. Suit yourself. See you tomorrow. Now what do we do? You just have to embrace the fact that nothing matters. Do you sleep with people in here? Great question. I have, but it takes a lot of work. May I cut in? It's the first dance. And that's a deal breaker? That didn't work. <laughs> Let's waste some time. You want to uh, dance? You know the officiant? He's got a bag of sweets in his pocket. You were right. Got him. I can't keep waking up in here. Everything that we are doing is meaningless. I hope it's not all meaningless. 
least you have each other. Nothing worse than going through this shit alone. There's a bomb in the cake. Don't worry. I used to be a bomb guy. Stand back! Ah! Oh my god! It's gonna be a beautiful wedding. All right, that was a trailer for Palm Springs, a film that came out July 10th, available to stream if you have Hulu, and I'm sure you can rent it. It's directed by Max Barbacow, written uh, by Andy Ciara, and cinematography by Ken Tran. It stars Andy Samberg, Akiva Schaefer, and others. Johnny, would you just kind of give me, not even an official synopsis, but kind of the, the layman's synopsis in a nutshell? Yeah, so basically there's a guy, and he... <laughs> Uh, should I read it or should I just go off the cuff? I was going to say off the cuff. If you have it in front of you, I'd read it. But if you, I All don't right. care either way. When carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Spring wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't know that going in, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not clear that it's, it's one of these Groundhog Day type movies. And I say yeah. Groundhog Day type movies because I think now there's a precedent. Like you have Groundhog Day and you have Happy Death Day one and two, mm-hmm. and you also have the Russian doll thing, which is not a movie, but a show still kind mm-hmm. of deals with it. Um, so I didn't know it was a Groundhog Day type thing until I think it was like, what is it? 15 minutes in the movie where we finally have our first reset. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking or saying out loud, I was like, all right. Okay. Like, like almost like it was going to have to prove it. Cause at this point it does feel like this can be sort of a, a, tr- a done kind of gimmick. Like yeah. It, it- it could definitely become formulaic, so you have to tread lightly or do something original. So yeah. Do you yeah. do you think this movie did that? What were your overall thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I did, because I think it does have something to prove, and what this movie does differently than the other three that we just listed is that it, it takes kind of this, um, this horrendous scenario, and it makes the main character go through it with another person. Like, you're stuck in eternity on the same day with somebody that also remembers, which I guess could be good. But my initial reaction was like, Oh, this could be horrible. So I I think that raised the stake. And I was immediately interested once I found out that's what was happening. Mm -hmm. And I think it worked like, like it's Andy Samberg. And I went in kind of expecting like the jokey joke stuff that he does. And there is a lot of that, but I also think there's some decent enough dramatic moments in the movie to make it a little bit more than just a, a goofy rom-com. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the whole thing was approached with like the dark cynical, not over, I was going to say sense of humor, but it was more of like a dark cynical thing of this whole, nothing really matters kind of outlook Yeah, uh, that has to, you know, either be dealt with or overcome. It's kind of the, his point of view and, and how it bounces off of the world he's living in. I thought, I thought it was a pretty good movie, man. I liked it overall. What did you think of J.K. Simmons in this? I loved him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought he was fantastic. And also, uh, Kristen Milioti. Oh, yeah. That's who I meant to say at the beginning. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I was her. like, you left out the co-star. Uh, you're, you're, you're talking trash on sex workers. You're not even mentioning <laughs> the female <laughs> star of this movie. <laughs> Uh, so the, coming to you in a theater soon, Max hates women. I guess apparently. so, man. Sorry about all that, Jeez. everybody. Good grief. I'm going to call Kristen and tell her what you did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get her on the line. See yeah. how that works. Um, <laughs> what were you saying? About the, you were saying something about her. Oh, she was surprising 
to me. Like she came out of nowhere. I'm, I'm not familiar with her work at all, and I really yeah. enjoyed her acting in this movie. I think, I think she makes this movie. I think without a rock solid co-star, this movie would have just Andy Samberg all over the place. Yeah, I think to to your point that because he starts off as sort of the definitely cynical, but kind of happy-go-lucky cynical where he's like, hey, nothing matters, but what are you going to do? Let's have a beer. And then she gets introduced as like the nothing matters, but it sucks kind of character. Mm -hmm. And it it becomes clear later on throughout the plot, like why, why they have their respective viewpoints. But it is, it is tough to make somebody who is already sort of, um, I don't know, disenfranchised to the experience of life, somebody you want to root for. Cause they're often like, you're all, you're looking for that sort of upward trajectory of that person. Like you want their mood to come around and be like, everything does matter. And which I I don't think this is, it it doesn't take that easy route necessarily, but I do think the introduction of her character adds a couple of layers that probably wouldn't be there. Like you're saying, if she wasn't in the movie, 100%, which is great. Yeah. She actually brought, you know, a bit of a, a depth to the acting in this movie. And I think she was the perfect person for Andy Samberg to play off of and act with. In this movie, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the, the cat, it was a great casting decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yep. probably true. I, I'm i wondering how you felt about sort of, sort of the, um, the, I guess the wedding is is the easy way of saying it, but sort of the backdrop and all of the auxiliary characters. Mm-hmm. Did, did that, did I guess, did the setting of the wedding work for you? And then did all of the side characters, like the people in the wedding party and the officiant, and especially comedically, did those people work for you? And did the setting this at a wedding work? Uh, the setting of the wedding worked. I liked Peter Gallagher as the father of the bride, um, but I uh, comedically no. I think a lot of the supporting characters they were there to just be superficially funny and have zero depth, and that to me is not is interesting. Yeah, because you're in the situation where you're reliving the same day over and over and over. Yep, and these people are just really shallow. So it was like super obvious that they were very there to just be like the punchline of a joke or like a caricature caricature of a stereotype of a person or what have you. So, yeah, I mean the stuff with Andy Samberg's girlfriend worked because that was really funny. Yes. Um, That whole little side quest that we'll talk about in the dangerous that she goes on. um, That worked for me. I can't think of what you're talking about. His girlfriend Um, goes on a side quest. Well, when she was cheating on him, Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's, that's, th- that's a good gag. Yeah, that was good. But like the the white guy from the Great Lakes that is just the whitest guy. Who that's is like, that? I couldn't, I cannot place was, that guy. I don't know. I didn't, I vaguely recognized him as just like being generic white male. Oh, you know what he's, um, of course I get it in this very moment. You know what he's from is if we're talking about the same guy, he was in, a, he's in that sketch show on Netflix called, I think you should leave. He's oh, in, was he? I'm thinking of one particular sketch where the main dude is like trying to get a record made or something. And then the producer takes his money. And then that dude walks in the door. Like you took my money also. I'm pretty sure that's the guy that, well, that's who I'm Hmm. talking about at least. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to see a picture of him. Yeah. But the, the, it was like the whitest guy that was like, I shouldn't have left the great lakes. Yeah. Right. And he's, and he's the one that keeps trying to dance with, uh, yeah. The Chris, Christine, is it Kristen or is it Christine? It is spelled kind of weird. C R I. I'd say Kristen. C R I S T I N. Yeah, it can't okay. be Kristen. Well, could it? Who knows? Let's Kristen. just call her Sarah. Let's just go with character names. There you go, Sarah. Um, yeah, but well, it, it's the yeah. guy that kept trying to dance with her. Correct. Uh, and like those characters, those auxiliary characters were just—they were just so 
in the background, they might as well have been cardboard cutouts. Like they tried to make them funny in a couple spots, but it just it seemed like kind of a waste of screen time for me. Yeah, that's super correct. I think the problem is that there's one particular character that there's basically a kind of a big reveal in in the movie, and we, and we get an explanation for somebody's kind of behavior. And the mm-hmm. problem with that, for me at least, was that there was it didn't necessarily go anywhere and there was nothing to sort of foreshadow it or really build it up. It was just like, ah, here's a, here's a twist and that should explain this and now move on. And do you know what I'm talking about by chance? Oh yeah. Being vague. Okay. Yeah. And and like that kind of stuff, if you're going to have these secondary characters with the exception of JK Simmons, who I think was developed as much as he needed to be, but you try to use the ones that you haven't developed. You can't really, you can't go for that kind of gut punch because there's nothing there. Like you're saying cardboard cutouts or caricatures or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree cuz there you we have this scene where there's this big reveal and like someone starts crying and I, I really just felt nothing cuz yeah. that character had had zero depth up totally. until that point. He was just kind of rotating in the background of the the movie. So, yeah, like uh, they just odd writing choices like maybe I would have spent some more time with certain characters if you're going to use them as a plot twist just yeah. to just to breed more empathy and and make you feel that twist a little bit more. Well, yeah, I mean um, to to that point like we have that moment, the, the, the crying, and then it's immediately flipped into a joke, which yeah. I think is kind of the, the fault in this movie is that the, like there are some dramatic beats, like I was saying when I first intro it, I think, but it's, it's so often underscored by, I think cheap comedic writing. Sometimes the comedy works pretty well overall. I think it works well, but there are some of those moments that don't quite land. Yeah. And that's, that's a symptom of being uh what is it? Lonely Island production. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is though, probably right. Yeah, it is. That I was expecting that kind of humor and was pleasantly surprised by the decent dramatic notes in this movie. Yeah. That's like you have to go in expecting I'm on a boat, my dick's in a box. Yeah. Oh, wait, Other this stuff. is actually this is a, a toned down version of that. And it's attempting to be something of a bit more dramatic of a beat. Yeah. So I think it's a step forward in the evolution of Andy Samberg. But yeah, I mean, I okay. don't think he's reached his final form yet. He's like for no. sure still like Charmander. Yeah. Okay. That's the first one. Oh wait, what's the second one? Uh, uh, Charmeleon. Charmeleon. So he's like he's Charmeleon. Yeah. Okay. He's like okay, we're not making music videos anymore. We're making actually like a decent movie. Yeah. But like he hasn't gone full. He hasn't committed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like he's still in the his his adolescence as a as a movie actor. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for him to get away from the style that he's pigeonholed himself into. It's like he's almost typecast himself with his humor. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Brooklyn Nine-Nine in this movie, it's like this could be the same character just that has gone through some shit. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you have to at some point differentiate yourself from the character that you've created uh, in order to truly advance as an actor. And I think this is a step in that direction, but it is definitely still shadowed by a dick in a box. Well, but I, I do want to say this movie is a tasty 90 minutes, right? I, I feel like we've been doing like really too, epic long movies too lately. long. Um, yeah. I appreciate that this one wasn't quite as, especially cause it was made by all, all these people that Andy Samberg probably could have convinced to make this two and a half hours long. Yeah. Like it was nice. There was like, yeah, just a nice little hour and a half movie. Let's call it that. Well, little little six-piece nugget for you. It totally. was perfect. Um, can we talk sort of vaguely about if the whole goal of this movie, which I think is fair to say, is like getting out of the time loop, right? Like breaking the breaking the cycle. Yeah. 
there's um, a strategy employed towards the end of, of that kind of tries to explain it. And I think that was so like montaged and shallowly explained also. It's just like, yeah. I don't know. It wasn't even that interesting. I don't even think they had to explain it. If it was do it the way they did or don't explain it, I would have been okay with not explaining it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it definitely got montaged, but I think the point of the montage was to, you know, make it clear that she was spending like months researching this. Yeah. And yeah. like Skyping with uh, astrophysicists and whatnot. Yeah. So. yeah. It kind of makes mean, it, it, Bill Murray it and works. Groundhog Day look like an idiot for like learning how to ice sculpt and ice skate. Right. What if they, what if it was the same situation? He just didn't know it. What do you mean? Like if, what if his, I don't, I can't really, I don't want to spoil it, but like what if instead of becoming a good person, he just had to do what they did. Oh, and instead and of just spending, find a way out of it. Yeah. Like, you know, that yeah. I, somebody did the math on Groundhog Day. They took sort of the average amount of time it would take to learn all the skills that he demonstrates. And it, it was like 35 or 40 years that he was stuck. <laughs> Oh my god! Like, in Punxsutawney. Oof. No, That's thank you. Crazy. No, thank you. No, thank you at all. Um, what else? You got anything else on this before we rate it? I think overall, it's exactly as advertised. If you look at the poster, read the synopsis, mm-hmm. and see who's in it, and you're, you, it's exactly what I expected. Because I, I read the synopsis and I knew what I was getting into, and it is. It could have been formulaic, but I think they did enough original things. And took enough swings that were unique to this movie to differentiate it from movies like we mentioned earlier, the ones that it could have really just piggybacked on and copied, quite frankly. Yeah. I think it it had uh, the bones of something that's been done, but it had originality enough to make it stand out and make it enjoyable for me, which was a balance it was going to have to strike or it was going to crash and burn. So when you're doing something that's been done, you have to have those things or I'm going to be completely out. And I think this movie had enough of it that I ended up overall really liking it. So that's my take. And I think it's going to be like a solid 7.9 for me. 7.9. That's 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 fair. I think that's a good, a fair rating for this movie. That's very similar to how I feel, except for the stuff that I was let down by. So for me, it's a solid six. Yeah. But again, like it's a tasty little nugget of a movie. So if you have a free, I don't know, Wednesday night, like just maybe check it out. It's not going to not going to eat up a huge portion of your life and you'll get a few. Ch- I, I think it's fair to say that most people will get a, at least a chuckle or two out of this. Absolutely. And I think the reason of our, our difference of opinion is like the perspective. Like I went into this being an Andy Samberg fan, like expecting way more over the top, ridiculous humor and stuff than what was in this. So like, you know, just that perspective of like our expectations, I think were were a little bit different, but me just going in being a Samberg fan, I was pleasantly surprised by the the actual decency of this as a drama. So, well, yeah, I was going to say for me, not being so much of a fan because of his comedic stuff, I was also nicely surprised because of the dramatic elements and and the comedy. Right. But fair enough. If you if you have thoughts on this movie, everybody, let us know what you think. Love to hear it. Um, ideally, you know, this might take a few sentences. So again, send us an email. We'd love to hear it. But Johnny, do you want to drink another beer? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. Beer number two. Hey, this is Johnny Summers. I'm in Hawaii, but when I'm in Chico, I drink at the Handlebar. 2070 East 20th Street, amazing happy hour, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get money off craft beer. You're going to get half off bottles of wine. Newly remodeled patio, best place in Chico to hang out. Can't wait to get back there. Go check them out. Handlebar Chico. All right, man, what what are we drinking? So we are drinking some beer from a brewery called Short Throw Brewing. I was immediately drawn to this can because the artwork 
is absolutely beautiful. This brewery is out of North Haven, Connecticut. Uh, they are brewing out of the 12% Beer Project, which is another oh, one yeah. of those like commune things. Oh, we've done them before. We've done something yeah. with them a couple times. Exactly. Uh, so pretty excited uh, about this beer. It is called Wait, Mutual- I feel like you can't, you can't brag about the can that much and then move on. Like, What, is, what does the can look like? Oh, well, it's straight up like uh, graffiti, like murally type art and like multicolored. Like it looks like a uh, very trippy. And if you like hold the can at arms, <laughs> I'm league, literally holding it at arms. Like I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> it actually, it actually says mutual respect. Yeah. You, you know, see the yeah, letters. I do see it. Yeah. You remember like it's, old it's, cereal boxes that would be kind of like, blur- like tricks is the one I'm thinking of. And it would be like, d- like defocus your eyes on the image and you'd, bring it up close to your face to be out of focus and you pull it away and you'd see like a, a weird shifting image in the background. It's kind of like that. Maybe nobody knows eat, what I'm talking about. I don't eat that shit. It's for kids, bro. Whoa. All right. Respect, respect. Tricks. Tricks are for kids. So this beer is called Mutual Respect. Yeah. And I love the art. So that's what drew me to it. Also, I'd never heard of Short Throw Brewing. Mm. And if you want me to buy your beer immediately, if I've never heard of you, that probably is the key like i'm just gonna immediately buy it if i've never heard of it really so mutual yeah i love doing breweries on this show that i've never even heard of oh, like that's, that's yeah. huge me too like dude i've not to sound cock but like i've tried all the beer <laughs> did you say not to sound cock <laughs> yeah <laughs> no what, you've never heard no it's cocky man no like not to sound like a cock like okay not you, to sound yeah you could say like a cock or not to sound cocky but you can't say not to sound cock I like saying that. I'm gonna keep saying it, and you're just gonna have to accept it. You've said it before, yeah, many times. Good for you, man. Okay. It's well documented. Okay, not on this um, show. It's not. I've never well, heard you say that in the years that we've done this. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, it's a, it must be an off air treasure that I'm just uh, buzzed enough to share with you. Thanks for sharing. It. I appreciate it. You know, I'm here to help. But yeah, not to sound cock, but I've tried all the beers. Like, dude, it's for me to like find a can of like I don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. That's like finding a Pokemon in the wild that you've never seen. Yeah. Like, oh my God, it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hope their beer doesn't suck because of first beer from them. All their labels are great. You should check out their website if you're listening to this. Uh, just look up short uh, shortthrowbrewing.com and click on beers. Uh, you can see all their labels. They're absolutely out of this world. I really, really like their art. Uh, a little bit about this beer. Mutual respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-K. Find out uh, what this- it means to me. Right. This time around, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we teamed up with our great friends at Triple Crossing to produce a beer exhibiting our tight bond without being within six feet of each other. Mutual Respect is a double IPA adorned with the bountiful aromatics of cashmere and citra hops, dry hopped with the same varietals. Respect, do. This is an 8.2%. What is this? Double IPA? It sure looks like it. Yep, it does. Let's see what the can says. It is, where'd it go, where'd it go, where'd it go? It is a double IPA, 8.2% alcohol by volume. Yeah, it doesn't really, I mean, it's it's clearly a New England IPA. Is that what you said, or did you say, is it a double IPA? It just says double. Oh, I meant, I thought, I what I heard was, is it a New England IPA? And I was like, it sure looks like it, because it's no, super but- hazy, like way the opposite IPA of the first one we drank. Mm-hmm, it is. They're is. They're like polar opposites. I'm excited to see kind of where your brain goes with this, because- it's been a long time since we've done a West Coast and then moved on to an East Coast IPA in the same episode. And yeah. you are well documented on saying that you're kind of kind of burnt out on the style. So 
things to look out for, I suppose, that I'm going to be aware of is the intense, way too juiciness. I don't want it to be too sweet. I don't want it to be too heavy. I want like a very, for 8.2%, it can be done and I think is done by some of the best breweries where it's, it's light and sweet and hoppy and biting. Uh, have you had a chance to try yours yet? I have. Okay, initial thoughts. So it's it's a little sweet. Oh, shoot. It's okay. a little too juicy. Oh, nuts. And I'm missing the hot bite. You just like you just like countered everything I was afraid of with yeah. the fear itself. Well, it's because I was afraid of it too, man. The uh-huh. fear, it's gotten me. Yeah. Uh, it's It's not bad. But it's definitely not something I particularly would get excited about. Okay. From my my personal mouth perspective. Let me go ahead and uh, just jump right in front of you on this uh, this description train. And I'm going to say this is really good. There's this. Yeah. Because there, yeah, I don't have the same predilection against this style that you do. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of most well-made New England IPAs. And this one is juicy and sweet. Granted, like not a huge amount of hoppiness, at least in the bitter sense. But there's like a creaminess that I wasn't expecting. There is. A I creaminess. am loving. Yeah, it's almost like a, like an orange pop creaminess. But Dude, it, it is. does have. It has a little bit of dryness on the finish, which is the only indicator of like the hops, really. Yeah, and I'm not, I like. I think that the um the the most common slash maybe easiest sort of flavor profile is sort of the orange citrusy stuff. But this one is much mm-hmm. more tropical to me, like tons of mango and papaya vibes happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a, a unique approach to adding sort of this full creaminess that I don't usually get in beers like this. Yeah, I think that is going to be uh, attributed to the cashmere hop. Uh, love a good cashmere. Yeah, cashmere, they really lend themselves to like a, a red berry, like mm. a watermelon-y type oh, thing. Oh, oh, So are you getting any watermelon out of this? You know, I wouldn't have said it until you said it, but like when you said watermelon, I, I, my brain went, yeah, watermelon, maybe cantaloupe. Like there's there's something very vibrant and fruity about this. Yeah. Almost like a little uh rhubarb too. Oh, I don't know about rhubarb for me. That's like rhubarb is a very bitter sort of root vibe. But I feel like that's what I'm getting on the end. Maybe. I'm not, but there's a good chance you, know, you are. This is a this almost, is a leveled beer. Lots of levels. Yeah. I'm almost getting like some peachiness too. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a, a very creamy... it's like it, yeah, it's very summery. A lot of summer fruits, summer vibes in general. Mm-hmm. Didn't we do a beer called Summer Vibes? At one point remember, on the man. show, we did something vibes. Oh, it was Modern Times. It was a Modern Times beer, uh, and it was a Saison. I know you know this. Oh, Summer Vibes. It's like some, yeah, you know. Not that now's the time to figure this out, but here we are. It was like one yeah, of the, it looked remember. like, it was like their ice series, like right before that. Uh, it wasn't Summer Vibes. It was something like that, though. Okay, we're on the same page, I think. Yeah. I don't remember. In any case, I think that we maybe both like this beer, but I I seem to like it a great deal more than you. Yeah, this is definitely more in your wheelhouse stylistically, yeah. Yeah. but I will give it to the beer. It's it's incredibly well constructed. I think it's a well put together beer. I like it. Yeah. Um, for, for what it is, it's it's definitely not perfect for my taste. Uh, but I, I, I will call a spade a spade and I will call a good beer, a good beer. Fair. It's, it's worth noting. Like I know we said 8.2, but it, it doesn't drink like 8.2 at all. I was about to say like, how sneaky is this it's beer? It's way sneaky. And I love that in a good new England, man. Like it, you gotta, you, like you're impressing me with subconsciously is what's happening. And I guess in that metaphor, the impressing is just, I guess maybe intoxicating me. Like, you know, how you'll mean? be, you'll be talking to something, somebody and you'll be like, I like you. And I'm not sure why. 
And it's just like this yeah. unspoken sort of nice factor. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening with this, with the ABV. It's just like, oh, okay. You've snuck up on me and you've charmed me. I and like you. Are. I don't know why. Yeah. And then it just hits now you. I'm drunk and I realize <laughs> why. Yeah. It's either love drunk or uh, New England IPA drunk, I guess. <laughs> I drank you and now my butt feels funny. <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, <laughs> do you want to you say anything else about this or you want to rate it? Um, I'm impressed with this brewery and I will just say that I look forward to trying to get my hands on some more things from them. Uh, they do a brown ale, I uh, believe. We're due for a brown uh, ale no. on the show. Uh, it's called Low Brown Nobility. It's an imperial stout with toasted coconut coffee, Indonesian cinnamon, and Vermont maple syrup. Oh, uh, what's the ABV on that? Like 16? 12. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I am majorly in search of that beer, but I love their labels. I love their overall vibe. Like, I think we knocked it out of the park this week as far as can art and overall aesthetic of these breweries. Yeah. I think I'm as impressed with their aesthetic and their label art, just as impressed as I am with their beer. So mm. I, I'm going to give this beer a big thumbs up. And for me, it, it falls into like the seven, two category. Okay. Like it's, it's a very respectable beer. Like it's really well made. Like I said, my, my gripes are going to be all personal taste, but like uh see Max's review for someone who likes this style. So seven, whatever I just said, two or three you said point for two. me. Yeah. Seven, two for me. Max, tell them why this beer is great. No, yeah. I, I think in addition to everything I've said, it is it is that sort of, if I may, we're in the throes of summer, the dog days, if you will. And what this beer does from the get, and by the get, I mean the label, because I didn't go buy this. You gave it to me. So I just see this lovely beer show up. It catches my eye. And then I open it, and oops, it catches my nose. And then I pour it in the glass, and god darn it, it catches my mouth. There's something so reassuring about this beer. It's strong, but soft. It's delicate. It's assertive. It's just comforting, and it's so good. I'm a big fan of this beer. Is this beer giving you a hug right now? A little bit, yeah. It's giving you a mouth hug. It's giving me just a full-on insides hug. Just everywhere inside my body that uh, things touch from my mouth, it's there. Also, I don't, this seems random, but you don't hear a huge plane outside your house, do you? I do. Because we live close enough together where I feel like I'm hearing it and it's very intense. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Oh, Weird. is it gone yet or is it getting louder Oh, for what you? time is it? What time is it? 6.15 p.m. That might be F-18s. Why? My buddy, my buddy that worked at the airport told me that there was two F-18s flying into Chico today that they were going to refuel and fly out. Well, it was just like, usually I can't, there's some sounds that get through the headphones and into the mix or whatever, but I'd be willing to bet that that's probably a low enough frequency that nobody else listening right now knows what we're talking about. But I heard it through my headphones, which are pretty noise canceling. So it shocked me. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's what that was. It was probably two F-18s. So tell me more. Yeah. In the middle of my poem, those damn planes. Yeah. You were writing a sexy, like (laughs) you were writing a grocery store naked boy on the front with all kinds of muscles, trash romance novel to this beer. Damn, a grocery store, though. That's like a new level of... <laughs> Does anybody read those books? <laughs> like, they're right next to the like the men's section of magazines, which is like Guns and Hugh Jackman shirtless. And then right next yep. to that is like a woman with a horse, and then my description of this beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And those books are always called, like, Whispering My Garden. It, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like Midnight's Secret Promise or something. Oh, that's perfect. A novel it's by always, Nicholas It's always Sparks. three words. 
Yeah. 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 Um, I was, I was basically done. I just, I think this is a really, really solid beer. Like there's a a certain part of my mouth that's being left a little bit dry and I'm I'm just trying to find a reason not to give it a 10 because I know that it's not, but it's, it's damn close. And there's just a part of it that's leaving me a little bit, um, a little bit parched actually, which like a beer and a half into the day doesn't always happen. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to knock it a half point for that, but it is like a 9.5 for me. It's a great beer. That's a, that's a exemplary rating. And, yeah. uh, maybe one of the most beautiful reviews of a beer that's ever happened. Wow. Thanks Fresh so much. Cinema. I, I almost teared up there oh, in the middle. Shut up. No, you, well, <laughs> fair enough if you did and shut your fucking mouth if you didn't. <laughs> um, anyways, Johnny, one more time, beer brewery, and I'll give us the ratings one more time. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, this was Mutual respect from Short Throw View Brewing. Short Throw View. 7.2 from Johnny and a 9.5 from me. We're going to move right along into Hot and Bothered, which is the portion of the show where we aren't talking about movies or beer necessarily. We're just going to talk about our lives because we like to catch up with each other and hopefully you like to hear what we're doing in our lives. So, Johnny, let's say what has you bothered this week. Ooh, let's see. The plight of working in customer service and being exemplary and also unappreciated at times mm-hmm. by your customers. Mm-hmm. That's got me bothered. What happened? Uh, specifics cannot yeah. be okay. shared uh, for interest of public relations in my career. Um, no, it's just uh, certain times you go the, like the extra mile and then like the right information wasn't relayed to the people like that own places. And they're like, man, why'd you do this? See? Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, it was broken before, and I fixed it. So you're welcome. See, yeah, yeah. see, so just <laughs> st- stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's been kind of like a little bit last week, and then also like today was super annoying, just like that. Like eh, sometimes you go the extra mile and you work really hard and you try and be better and like give the customer service that you want, and yeah. it just doesn't land, and you're just not appreciated. Yeah. And I end up like back at the office, like. I hate customer service. I'm yeah, awesome, right, sucks. guys? Like, right. did I do good? And they're like, dude, you did <laughs> awesome. Like, you did everything you could have done. Like, some people are just impossible to please, or they just yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then they reach out to shake your hand, and while they're shaking your hand, you reach over and pat yourself on the back. Exactly, and then profusely <laughs> stab them in the liver. <laughs> yeah, well, that sucks, man. I'm sorry that uh, that people didn't appreciate you today and part of last week for as good as you are, because well, it is very good. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's uh, it's one of those situations where, like, you know, this is the career path I've chosen, and it's really probably one of the main and only negatives about it is just that customer service side of things. But, mm-hmm. you know, you always want to be the person that gives customer service that you'd want to get. Yeah, um, sure. And just sometimes it's not appreciated, but, you know, at the end of the day, if you do your job to the best of your ability and you know that it's better than most people could do it, that in itself is reassurance enough where you should just be able to rest your head and be completely at peace with your your life and your sure. career. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, you know, it's what we can do. Well, fair uh, enough. I, I did my part. I'm awesome. Just because you suck doesn't mean I need to be bummed out. Do you have anything that's got you hot this week? I have a lot that's got me hot. I was at a cabin all weekend. I've been listening to brand new records, and I started an amazing new TV show that I'm super geeked on. What do you want first? Uh, I guess I want... TV show first. Uh, TV show first. Just dropped on Netflix. I've been waiting for it to come out because I saw a teaser for it a while back, 
We watched the first episode last night, and I am absolutely in love with it. It is called Cursed on mm. Netflix. Mm -hmm. uh, it is about a teenage sorceress named Nimue. Uh, she encounters a young Arthur on her quest to find a powerful and ancient sword. It is a kind of, uh, it's definitely high fantasy. Yeah, I was about to say high fantasy. It's King Arthur, right? Next caliber. Yeah. Yeah. Very high fantasy, though. Like, we're talking fairies, magic, people with wings, like, full bore fantasy. Yeah. Uh, adventure. It's, it's like, reminds me of the books I read, like, when I was in high school that got me into the genre. Which uh, were it's what? It's created by, uh, what's that? Which were what books? Um, after the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I got into a trilogy called the, uh, the Dark Tower, not the the Iron Tower trilogy. The Iron Tower. Uh, for, from Dennis L. McKiernan. Okay. Uh, and then also R.A. Salvatore's work, and then a lot of like the Forgotten Realms, Dungeons and Dragons books. Yeah. Um, those, all those books, I've read all of them. Um, like the Crystal Shard, that whole series mm -hmm. with- uh, I'm yeah. saying mm -hmm, like I know what you're talking about. I'm, yeah, I don't, but I, I, yeah, I maybe get the gist. With like Bruner Battlehammer, who's like one of my favorite characters okay. in all of- books and then, yeah yeah so it's it's those books just, i springboarded off of like the hobbit lord of the rings and went deeper and they i've just been reading those type of books since high school like yeah. i'm just i'm right now i'm reading uh the i think the second book in the witcher series oh nice so that tv show springboarded that interest in those books and i've been really enjoying that but uh yeah so cursed it's right up my alley if you're into just like legitimately over the top like high fantasy with fairy creatures and magic and it's got uh gustav skarsgård if you'll know from vikings fame as mm. loki he's playing merlin in this and he's perfect for the role nice uh this was actually created by frank miller of sin city fame yeah uh, you he's got a very unique style and 300 himself. right and 300 yeah absolutely yeah uh, and a guy named Tom Wheeler, they created it together. And, uh, I'm really, the first episode absolutely hooked me. Mm -hmm. It is over the top graphic novel-y high fantasy sword play wizards. It rained blood in the first episode. So, you oh, know, I'm in sure. Uh, some really amazing visuals too, just really vivid colors, uh, almost like technicolor and then contrasted by like really dark, dark tones uh i just like the the color excuse me the color scheme of it overall so yeah that's i'm one episode in so okay. i'm gonna probably finish it by next week how long are the episodes uh they're solid hours oh really yeah all right so well, i think that's I think great there's like eight or ten but yeah i'm super stoked on it so i will report back after watching more than one episode is it is it approachable to somebody that isn't crazy about high fantasy like i think the witcher is a great example of something that you, the average person who isn't into sort of like the, the sword fighting monsters kind of thing would not be into, but, or like, um, what was that one that came out on prime video, uh, with, uh, Shannara? No, uh, Cara Delevingne, uh, something row. I think it was something row carnival row. Oh, I carnival row. Like that's also high fantasy, but with like some, that's, I loved words. that one. I did not, I had to stop watching it. But that's besides the point. Is it something that is accessible to non-fantasy enthusiasts? I think so. I cool. think this is really piggybacking on the success of The Witcher. Yeah. And that it has really endearing characters and people that you're going to gravitate towards and empathize with immediately. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, the character development just in the first episode was very engaging for a show of this style. So I think I would say it's it's highly approachable. Okay. But it is also TVMA, so probably don't want to watch it with little ones. There's a lot of violence and uh, and all kinds of stuff like that. Mainly just violence so far that I've seen. Nothing Fair. too... Uh, of another you know yeah. nothing to risk not not much nudity or language or anything but yeah, i'm okay. hoping you know you got my fingers crossed <laughs> just give me a good good r rating for language i'm still yeah. i'm still sort of um what's the right phrase i'm still uh not apprehensive i'm uh i i just i'm viewing ratings much differently after that documentary i talked about a few you're, few you're, years ago you're you're jaded yeah not not even jaded like i just i think it's all bullshit at this point that's the definition of being jaded yeah it might be true um, I just like, I've watched so many people get like murdered and tortured and on movies. And then those movies are like PG 13. And then I've seen like a nipple and it's like NC 17 because of these people made love. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's such a backwards priority to have. And it's only in America. As that guy would say. Only, only America. in America. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Anyways. Toby Keith. Uh, probably. probably. He's Toby Keith is the worst, by the way. He's pretty American. Stop listening to Toby Keith if you do. Hey, don't alienate our listenership. Who who is I want to see that Venn diagram hard. Like who's a diehard fan of Toby Keith but also likes our show? I don't know. God, I hope we get an email. You're going to you're going to you're going to alienate that guy. <laughs> and it is a guy. <laughs> you know. I I would imagine. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about ah, I'm a fucking selfish motherfucker guy, old guy. What I think, what I like, what I want, what I know. And it's so catchy. It is. It's like ear crack. I know. It is. So anyways, that's Cursed. Uh, don't listen to Toby Keith, but for sure watch Cursed on Netflix. That's that's what's got me hot this week. Did you have uh, TV service at the cabin? No. What did you do at the cabin? Uh, I got drunk by a pool <laughs> okay. and took like four naps. Well, that'll... Okay. Fun weekend, actually. That sounds great. It was so relaxing. I made friends uh, from multiple ethnicities, multiple parts of the world. It was really cool. I got to witness a baptism. It was wild, man. What? I had a crazy weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You heard. All right. You heard. Um, so I was up at, at Lake Francis and we had a cabin and I went cheap and didn't realize that the cabin didn't have air conditioning. Oh no. So it was a really terrible weekend to like go kayaking on the lake and mm -hmm. then come back to a 90 degree cabin. Ugh. Uh, so they had a really amazing pool and we ended up just going down there at like 10 AM and we're like, Nope, this pool's dope. There's like giant umbrellas. Let's just hang out at the pool for a while and see where the day goes. Next mm -hmm. thing you know, it's like 6 p.m. And we've been at the pool since 10 a.m. And yeah. all of our beer is gone. It was great. Nice, man. Um, but yeah, it was just the most relaxing. I got to meet a bunch of cool people. There was this giant Mexican family that had like 100 people. Like, no joke. 100 people there camping together. Oh, God. That's t too many for uh, COVID. It was yeah, yeah, but they were all like family, you know. I guess and they they had taken over like thirty campsites. Yeah, so it was it was pretty impressive driving by that. But like one of the families came and hung out at the pool, and then hang out hung out with. The, I oh, I drank uh, like micheladas and uh, like homemade micheladas. They had like the clamato and the juice and all the yeah. salt and stuff. They had it poolside, so they were just making micheladas while they Wait, were. You, in the yeah, pool. you had one of their micheladas. Yeah, they okay. were feeding me micheladas, and they had, uh, <laughs> like, fresh peach juice and vodka. Yeah. Oh, so good. 
So that sounds actually pretty great. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was super relaxing and restorative. Just hung out by a pool, um, in a lounge chair in the shade with a beer. Like I drank a bunch of, uh, Pliny the Younger or not Pliny the Younger, Pliny for president. Oh yeah, that's right. uh, Took a bunch of really cool beers. Didn't take any pictures of it. I was just like, you know what? I'm leaving my phone in the cabin. That's good for you, man. Yeah, it was so nice and just no obligations and just napped and snacked and just woke up and got in the pool, made more friends, went back, took a nap. It was great. Well, that's didn't you have uh, not to? I was trying to think of a good transition, but I couldn't because I think you said there were you had a you had a third hot this week. Oh yeah, it was new records. So essentially, right. this this cabin trip was my birthday kind of thing because the cabins weren't available on my actual birthday weekend. Uh huh. So it was kind of a, a something I want to do around my birthday. It wasn't specifically for it, but uh, kind of was in a roundabout way. Okay. But I've been listening to some records that Shalina got me for my birthday. Uh, I love Queens of the Stone Age, and she mm. actually picked me up two of their records that I have been listening to on vinyl. So I've been really excited about those. That's great, man. Is it? Is this the because you just bought a bunch of records from sort of like a bulk deal, right? Yeah, I bought a mystery box of That's five right. records for $20 from Bridge Nine Records. And they're all like punk, hardcore, like uh, emo type stuff. It's it's kind of all over the map there. But it's been pretty fun exploring those too. Nice, dude. Yeah. Well, that's great news. I'm glad you had a great weekend and Thank you. found a great new show. All sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, I'm super excited to watch that show. So I cannot wait. But yeah. enough about me. What's got... Max, man, hardy, hot, and bothered Yeah, I'm just going hot this week, man, and I've got two that kind of relate. There's been a book that I've been wanting to read for a long time, but I've 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 got sort of a a collection. It's a it's a movie book, right? It's a book about film, and I've got I'm actually looking at it right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven. Uh, I think there's one in the living room. Books about movies, and and most of them I've read all the way through, but there's at least two that I haven't read. So I've always told myself like, all right, you can't buy any more movies about or any more books about movies until you read these ones. But there's one that I've been eyeing for a long time called making movies by director Sidney Lumet. And it went on sale and it came up on my Amazon. I was like, you know, I'm just going to buy it. And it came in the mail. Uh, let's see today's Wednesday. It probably came in the mail on Saturday. And it's one of those books that is, is I've only read, I think three chapters, but it's super insightful to the craft of making movies in a way that's accessible to a movie watcher, which is okay. pretty rare. Cause I feel like oftentimes when you read a, I don't know, a movie making textbook or even like a memoir from a director, it's all so technical and I wouldn't understand it. And this one is just really approachable. It, it says on the cover of the book, it's there's a quote by Roger Ebert that says it's invaluable. I am sometimes asked if there's one book a film goer could read to learn more about how movies are made and what to look for while watching them. This is the book. And it's this really wonderful book about, um, if you don't know Sidney Lumet, by the way, he directed a film that I watched this week called Long Day's Journey and Tonight. He directed 12 Angry Men and a whole bunch of other movies. Johnny, you've seen 12 Angry Men, yeah? Oh, yeah. It's a great film. Just like world-class dialogue, and it was at a point in time where like movie making was kind of coming into its own as a, as a entertainment form and as a form of art. And anyways, he wrote in his book about this film, long day's journey and tonight, which segues into my second hot this week, kind of, um, <laughs> he's just so proud of this movie. And I, I, I'd heard about it and never watched it. So I finally decided, okay, I'll watch it. it was, I think it was like four bucks to rent on Amazon. And I will just say 
that it's definitely worth watching, but it's incredibly long. It's, I think it's like three, it's, it's just about three hours. Oof. And it's an adaptation of a play from an author whose name escapes me at the moment, but it's basically the story about a dysfunctional family, uh, dysfunctional in all sorts of ways, but mostly because of addictions and financial issues. And it's, it's, you have to watch it in a certain mindset. And I think the mindset, or at least mine was wanting to appreciate a film. You know what I mean? Like there's moments where you want to put on something like Palm Springs. And you're like, oh, I just want to watch something. You have to want to watch something like a, like a, a proper, this is a particular thing. And I'm going to be in for this journey because it is bleak. It's, it's yeah. so pessimistic. All of these people have like gambling problems and drinking problems and heroin problems. And there's some fantastic performances all around. What I wrote in my letterbox review was that there are terrific performances and the final, like there's this final shot at the end of the movie. It's all in black and white. Cause again, 62, but there's this great shot. that's like super contrasty sort of, uh, pullback shot where they're like just the family sitting in the room by themselves. Basically it's super lonely and sad. It's, it's an amazing shot. I wrote in my review that it, it's the stuff of cinematic wet dreams, but yeah. the sort of wet blanket of pessimism throughout like the three hour runtime was almost enough to make me develop an alcohol habit that would have rivaled that of the people in the movie. <laughs> like it's, it's <laughs> so, it's so dense and it's so extreme and it's so much of a bummer. That like you just gotta be you gotta just watch it and just know mm. that it's gonna be it's gonna be sort of arduous to get through. Fair enough. But he's one of those directors, and it's one of those movies that you just I, I don't know. I, I feel like a better film critic for having watched it, and I think that's nice. a really special relationship to have with certain movies, even though they are not on paper enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, again, that's that's Long Day's Journey and Tonight by Sidney Lumet. You can check it out. I'd love to know if anybody has watched it, or if you do watch it, let me know what you think. Um, and that was mostly a hot, but a little bothersome, obviously. Yeah. It's hot-ish. Hot-ish. Yeah. Anyways, that's what I had this week for Hot and Bothered. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we move into the danger zone and spoil Palm Springs? I'm there, man. I'm it. All right. Once again, go watch it if you haven't, or if you don't care, stick around, and we're going to spoil that movie right about now. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. All right, welcome to The Danger Zone, where we are going to spoil this film. Johnny, what, uh, if anything, right off the bat, do you want to point out? Should we start from the end? I don't know. Let's talk about it like we just watched it. So I thought that was cool. What did you think, man? Yeah, Shit. like, like that was we, crazy. we were kind of alluding to earlier, like the, the whole quantum physics sort of explanation of this was definitely new, but I also felt like it was underdeveloped the same way that the relationship between um, Sarah having had sex with the groom the night before the wedding which is like a super powerful emotional arc, but also like we don't really know the groom and so much of that reveal is based upon his performance. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. And then she laughs it off and just kind of leaves. And yeah. that, it, it's those moments throughout the movie that kind of, I don't know, the, the, the kind of deflated it for me. Yeah. There was a lot of like, they could have delved into the more dramatic and serious, but they leaned heavily on their, their comedic bent uh, almost as like a, a crutch. Like, uh, we don't really know how to delve into this. Let's just, let's make a joke about 100%, yeah. S- and sometimes those worked. Like at the very end when she's like, your mom was a mistake. I'm like, I laughed so hard at that because it was so. Which way? That, that was When they were like walking into it about to blow the thing up. Uh-huh. 
And she, and they were like, where are we going to go first if this works? And she's like, your mom's house. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that shit cracked. I was like, that was so yeah. real and funny. Yeah. And she's like, your mom was yeah. a mistake. Yeah. But, Dude, ah. I loved it. Back to the like the internet thing that I was talking about earlier with you. Um, yeah which I don't think was actually on, on this recording, but whatever. Um, we, I just remember this too. Like the last, I think maybe 20 minutes of this movie, my internet freaked out. And I think we probably had to restart our Apple TV like six or seven times to the point mm. where like, it was so built up that I, I actually was disappointed by the ending because of the tension that I had, not me, but the, the internet had created. So uh. like when it came out, they were like, oh yeah, we survived and we ended up in a pool, whatever, a perfectly fine ending for this movie. But I was like, that's it. Which is mm. kind of a bummer, but it's no fault of the movie, I guess. But it did feel like they did all of this building up for this sort of revelatory conclusion. And it was basically just like, all right, we made it out. Let's float in a pool. I don't know. Yeah. It was, well, was like the Yeah. I, I think, think so. so. Well, I mean, formulaically, you would have wanted some big revelation or some life change. And I think it was kind of allegorical to just real people. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe you learn something. Maybe you just wake up the next day and just do the best you can. Like, I liked that. It kind of normalized it for me. It, they didn't have mm. some mm-hmm. light bulb moment and suddenly they were the perfect couple and life was going to be happy forever. It was yeah. more just like, all right, well, we did that and now it's finally tomorrow. But like, yeah. we're still who we are. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that is I, how people I, would react. Who knows? Yeah, well, I think that's where it differentiates from a movie like Groundhog's Day, where the the impetus of him escaping the loop is his moral and ethical evolution. Yeah. Whereas this was not centered around that. That was not their key to unlocking the exit door. Right. At all, like they tried that. <laughs> I was, was waiting the for them. <laughs> yeah. I was right. waiting for him to break the fourth wall and be like, "You mean like in Groundhog's Day when like he realized he was a good like yeah. that would have been funny if they, they would have actually said done that, that. that." They were like, "Because he says there, he's like, oh, it's one of those uh, one of those time loop things. You one of those time loop situations you've heard of, which was like yeah. as obvious a Groundhog Day nod as you can get away with without having to copyright it. I think." Exactly. So it worked. That was a good joke. Yeah, it was. There was lots of good jokes. There was lots of bad jokes. Uh, I think yeah. there was things that worked. I liked um, when I realized at the beginning that Sandberg had just been like he woke up and was just so over the day. Yeah. Like, and you think he's just depressed. And then yeah. you realize like, oh, he's probably been doing this for a really long time when we meet him in this movie. Yeah. Like in Groundhog's Day, you're there the first time Bill Murray wakes up and the day's repeating. Yeah. And that, like, I like that they went away from that and kind of introduced you to this character, like in the middle of his personal purgatory. That's fair. Yeah. So that's a change. Yeah. They definitely took a new approach because you're immediately introduced to him as being just like fucking over it. Yeah. Like, and you look back and you're like, that whole first scene where he's at the wedding and he's saying just the right thing and he like, Remember when he's there dancing and he like slides the chair behind the guy because he knows he's going to fall oh, yeah. down? Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. So this dude's obviously been stuck in this day for a long time. He knows every beat. See, but I didn't catch it the first time. I didn't like, there's a few of those. Because well, you didn't know what the movie was about. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I went like, in. He's really good at reading the crowd, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No. And then I went back, or well, I watched it with the, the first time knowing like yeah. what. And then I was immediately figured out like, oh, we're jumping into the middle of his experience. Right. Oh, okay. He's done this wedding a million times. That's why he knows all the right beats. And he's like, when he's walking around and like grabs the drink, like he knows is going to be there. So yeah, yeah. Totally. It's 
Maybe on a second watch, you might pick up on that. I did. And that was like, that's the stuff I was kind of alluding to in the beginning was like, oh, like you gain more of sort of the foreshadowing stuff, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't, I can't remember at this point if we said this on the regular, this episode or on Patreon, but like you, there's nothing really, um, I don't know, life-changing to be gained from a second viewing of this movie. And, And I think partially because you have all these dramatic moments that are pretty underdeveloped. Yeah, like they make a big point. Their emotional sort of their emotional divergence. These two characters are when he admits to her, like, "Oh yeah, we've had sex a thousand times," and, and that could be this really sort of ethically not ambiguous, like that he's clearly in the wrong for having lied and like probably taken advantage of her, not uh, sexually but emotionally manipulative. Like I know exactly the right words to say in this speech, and I'd just be more interested in seeing, like, bringing in some of that Groundhog Day sort of uh, morality. And mm. having that change happen at the end, because it almost feels like to some degree by the end of the movie, when they're floating in the pool, like, Hey, we're shitty, but we're here. I like that though. I, I don't, like that. I like, I want more. Right. I want, I want them to, to be better than when we started. And I don't know that they were. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe if that's what you want, but that's maybe that's not what this movie was about. Yeah, totally. Maybe not. Maybe it's deeper than you thought because it's about how people never really change. <laughs> how shitty people are. And maybe then it's all, and none of it matters. Maybe none of it does matter and it's fine. Maybe. Whatever. And that was a recurring theme and maybe the ending just reinforced that. Yeah, Who knows? Maybe. I mean, I think the best way to say it is this movie stayed in the shallow end, but the pool felt nice. Did you just think of that? Yep. Enjoy that. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I actually don't have anything else to add and that feels like a nice note to end on. If you're good. Well, if you want to stay in the shallow end and still feel nice, this, like we said, it's a great hour and a half. I'm going to go ahead and say it's great. I really liked it. I, I, you know, what did I rate this thing? You rated it. uh, Looking back at my notes, I believe a seven point. No, that's maybe the beer. 7.2. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's one of the better movies Andy Samberg's ever been in. How many can you name though? Uh, Hot Rod. It's better than Hot Rod, yeah. That's maybe more. There might be others. That's it. I, I'm sure there's know. others. Like he, right. he 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 led that movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Pop star. That's my boy. Never stop stopping or never pop popping. One of those. Yeah, something like that. You saw that movie? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh oh, he was in the Dark Crystal. The yeah, but yeah, huh. that's that's not All an right. Andy Samberg movie. No. It's no, this. It's yeah. this and Hot Rod and, and Popstar. Yeah, and like all the lonely yeah, islands but those stuff. But yeah, movie-wise, yeah. 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 This is the best movie he's Yeah, yeah. In. I'm with you. Go go watch this movie for sure. For me, it, it, it was not great. It was pretty good, and that's it. It was super enjoyable. I liked it. If you know what I like, you'll know I liked it, and you'll know why, and you'll like it. If you're more of Max's yep. sensibilities, maybe maybe not. Maybe, maybe it'll be fine. It's more of a dice roll. Yeah. Who knows? But either way, maybe his, let us maybe know. His, maybe his Max would say, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> we we want to hear from you regardless of if you loved it or if you hated it or if it was somewhat lukewarm. Shoot us an email, a tweet, an Instagram thing. Johnny's doing a great job, if I do say so, of keeping up the Instagram with very interactive stuff. Uh, the thing that I, that he posted today, if I can plug this, was it, since it's Willem Dafoe's birthday on the day we were recording this, what's your favorite Willem Dafoe role? Mine is the Florida Project. Johnny's is Boondock Saints. Both great options, but let us know what you think. So follow us on all those, those places. If you'd be so kind, we didn't say this at the top, but if you haven't yet, give us a quick rating or a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, I will tell you from my heart, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. 
And I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. We'll see you next week with our review of Relic. Watch that movie before next week, guys. It's going to be fun. I don't know what beers we're doing, but I know what movie we're doing, and that feels good. Go watch Relic. We love you, and we'll see you next time. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.